0: Hey friends, welcome to another show where we are going to be talking about an image, a symbol, and a, a concept from ancient Chinese philosophy, specifically as it emerges from not only the Tao Te Ching, but uh, the Shuangzu. And in that text, we find a lot about this idea of the value of the twisted tree that nobody thought was worth cutting down. Uh, It's about finding beauty and potential and uh, value in the things that the world despises, the things that people think are not important. And then we're going to shift into another concept that comes up quite often in the Shuangzu, specifically this idea of the deformed sage, somebody who is uh, provider of great wisdom for the world and maybe the embodiment of virtue and yet because they don't have the physical appearance that people are attracted to they are sometimes despised and this is a very important reflection on uh, the ways in which in our own lives the things that we can find to be problematic to be lacking areas of, of, of wanting or lacking something, or areas where we feel like our bodies are broken or disfigured. Maybe we have an actual disability. Uh, and in many ways, what we're going to be reflecting on today is an invitation to you to reflect on the ways in which those things that we think of as challenges may in fact help us to achieve a certain perspective and understanding about the truth of the world and the ways in which we can influence it for good, even when we do not seem to feel very strong at the time. Friends, if you are coming to this show today, perhaps it's because you can reflect on areas of your life where you might feel weak and broken and lacking, and yet where you might find great potential. Thanks for being with us, friends. Stick with us. Here we go.
1: All
0: right, Stacey, you know, I think we, we've all grown up with these Western cultural traditions, folk tales, Stories about uh, what you know Jung would call the archetypes of the collective unconscious that tend to be more Western.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like there, there are overlaps, but we think about witches and wizards and and uh, a certain kind of dragon in the West. You know, in the East, um, these images, these stories that especially come from the 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 Taoist tradition, I find really helpful because it's not only about a criticism of society that we live in today, uh, capitalist Western society. It's a criticism also of Confucianism, or at least what the authors of these Taoist texts thought were the potential pitfalls of Confucianism. Uh, But we'll get into that in a second. The first story, I think, is uh, the most helpful when we think about these various little pieces from the Shuangzu um, for those of you who don't know, we have rendered the Tao Te Ching, which you can pick up on Amazon in ebook form or in paperback form. That's really the, the central, most important, foundational text of the philosophical Taoist tradition. But my favorite thing to read, the thing that makes uh, makes me smile and laugh and and puzzles me a lot, is the Shuangzu. And in there, uh, the second chapter, uh, you find this idea of the twisted tree. Now, the twisted tree uh, is here described as this, it's called the Shu Tree. And there is a Chinese philosopher who probably wasn't having this conversation historically with Shuangzu. And here's what it says. Quote, uh, this is Hui Tzu." And he says, there is an immense tree called the shoe tree, which has a trunk so contorted and misshapen that you can't even measure it. Its branches are so twisted and gnarled that the tree does not contain a single straight timber. Any carpenter looking at the shoe tree would instantly determine that it has no value whatsoever. Your remarks are like this tree. This is Hui Tzu talking to Shuang Tzu. Um... Your remarks are like this tree. They are sprawling and complex, but they have no use. Hence, everyone who hears them ignores them. So in the text, there is a philosopher who's having a conversation with Zhuangzi, and they're kind of going back and forth, and they're sparring in a kind of friendly intellectual battle about ideas. And so Hui Tzu is saying, "Zhuangzi, you're like a twisted tree. You've got all these, you know the highfalutin ideas or you're sounding like real wise, but really you're useless. But then Shuang replies, which is, I think part of the fun of it. They're kind of battling, <laughs> um, quote, you talk of the apparently worthless shoe tree, uh, for which you could find no service. Have you thought of growing them in the kingdom of nothing in the acres of the immense without end? Have you contemplated taking a long afternoon nap, reclining against such a tree? there you can relax certain that the lumberjacks will not disturb you or the tree indeed the carpenter will not cut its life short nor anyone exploit it for its utility useless how can it come to harm so he's so he's kind of responding shuangzu saying yeah okay i'm useless maybe you should sit under the shade of this tree yeah. right and so um, it's a you know it's kind of a fun it's kind of a fun example of these philosophers battling it out. But I think just, just focusing on the Taoist art too, about the, the beauty of naturalness and a twisted tree being beautiful on its own, Mm -hmm. not for anything that is, you know, capitalistic or, or commercial. might be. Yeah. What, what what comes to your mind as you think about this image of the twisted tree?
1: Well, yeah, just, how do we determine value Um, (laughs) in general? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly. Yeah. Like, yeah. The idea of what something's usefulness is determines whether it's valuable. Right. Yes.
0: Yes. That's, that's the value that's being challenged. Right. And, but it's certainly very common in our world.
1: Oh, completely common. I mean, I, you look at it all the time. Like you see, um, what, what do we do with our elders? We put them aside. They, they're not considered useful according yeah. to society in a capitalist world of...
0: They can't breed and they can't produce uh manufacturing product.
1: They're not going to, yeah, they're not going to be part of the workforce for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, so then we just kind of...
0: Maybe they have wis- wisdom. <laughs> 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 I think that's part of the the point here. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, but, but, you know, again... Um, a lot of times our society does not value that.
0: A lot of the time. <laughs> <Yep>.
1: <laughs> you know, so yep. almost, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's, um, yeah. I and mean, there's definitely, there's a lot to, to be gained to having a conversation with somebody who's been around a while and experienced life. Right. Um,
0: as a death doula, you're getting this, you get this opportunity to meet with people that have gone through so many decades of life yeah. to, to at least have a perspective on the world. Right. And they're right there. They're a resource right there for you. Most people don't have the opportunity or the desire to go seek that out. But or it's they everywhere. find it
1: uncomfortable. Like because, yeah. you know, if they know that there's somebody that is getting older, like I mean, there's a certain sense in which you kind of have to reflect on the possibility of death when you are, you know, going <laughs> longer in these years, right? Mm-hmm. And then this person might be reaching their, you know close to their end, so to speak. And a lot of times people are just uncomfortable in general considering that or talking to somebody that's at that point in life. Mm. Uh, And there is so much that they um, can offer and help. Uh, Maybe even other people avoid certain pitfalls, Mm. (laughs) you know, Mm. their life uh, is a shared uh, shared experience or, you know, it's definitely, sorry, their life is an experience that is definitely worth hearing, you know, what, what, I don't know, what did they learn in this lifetime? Mm -hmm. Um, so there's, there's that, there's the, the piece about, uh, you know, what we value. Um, it's also, it's also interesting that, you know, when you look at, um, like sort of the tree being left alone,
0: by the way, this is our dog making these demonic sounds. (laughs)
1: But the tree being left alone so that it's it's able to become bigger and offer shade, right? And
0: yes, uh,
1: and the value of what that is if you know if if something's allowed to come to maturity, right?
0: One of the things that was really sad when we were in China, I had all these visions. You know, we spent a couple summers in China, and i I had all these visions before going of uh, exotic birds and sacred ancient forests, and a lot of it was gone. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, just China's big. We've been to several places in China and different parts of the country. It's vast. But for the most part, with the exception of the hike up to the Foshan uh, Guan Yin Temple, mm-hmm. uh, where there was a preserved village, most of the forests were ripped out by the time of uh, Chairman Mao's Devastating rule mm-hmm. In China he he Was basically kind of like in the Lord of the Rings They're ripping out all the trees To uh, melt down Metals and, and do Manufacturing stuff but it just kind of Devastated the landscape you know And um, You even see A, a lot of deterioration of, of kind of the material culture People getting uh, you know Oak doors ripped out for the same purpose Right so mm-hmm. you know that whenever you could find an older village with uh, kind of older buildings with wood, it was kind of fun to see, but sadly rare. Um, But that's that's kind of the point, right? Like it would be really nice to have those forests. There's a, I always have to resist this idea that I wanna say that there's a utility behind it, right? Like it seems like it's not useful, Mm. but then it turns out to be useful. That's kind of true. But I think there's also this element of saying everything has intrinsic value. It's kind of like this idea that my friend, you know, our friend uh, Dave Schultz loves to talk about uh, from Bruno Latour, the idea of a flat ontology, that everything's in relationship to everything else. And so you can have God and you can have fleas and God and fleas aren't really part of a hierarchy. There is like a think more of a like a like a solution. Where we're mm-hmm. all floating in it, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. we have different, we rely upon each other, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, so yes, there's a value to it, but just being is beauty in itself. And so a lot of the stories here in the Shuangzu especially will not even say that, oh, well, this guy was deformed, but he had, and we're talking about the deformed uh, sages, this guy was deformed, but he was really, really smart, that's not exactly how it comes out. It's he was deformed and people needed to be around him because there was something healing and, and valuable about being in the presence of this guy. Right. But he doesn't teach anything necessarily, right? Other than his being is the teaching, mm. right? There's, there's yin and yang. There's like, and you know what I'm saying? You could be the little white dot in a big black uh, swirl, or you could be the little white dot in a big black swirl. And there's a value to all of this. And you want to kind of move beyond this idea of constantly judging things. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And yeah, the, the judgment is huge. It's key. Um, you know, where, where is, where are the values coming from that, that are offering the judgment, you know, whether, I mean, and, and do we choose to accept the, that value or that judgment of society and, and, and go along with it and agree with it? Uh, I do think that, There is sometimes a tendency um, in in this sort of thing or like the deformed man um, or the choice of tree of sort of the spiritual bypassing, right?
0: Tell me more. Yeah, The
1: pain of somebody perhaps feeling like they are less in some way or, or, have struggled and gone through some tragic things. Right. And for somebody to be like, Oh, but you're a better person for it. It just glosses over a little too quickly. Or
0: isn't it great that you've learned how to do all these things now that you've lost your eyesight. Right. There is a truth to that, but it's,
1: so it's, there's a bad taste to tell somebody that there's a careful line. Um, when it comes to that, but I will say that when people are able to overcome some sort of advert, you know, like some sort of like either, tragedy or adversity of some kind mm. or have to struggle through you know something that maybe comes easier to other people that there is there they often are stronger people for it yeah. um but that's like i don't want it to be like the silver lining kind of thing yeah it's not it like oh every, everything has a you know like right like a a purpose in that I don't know like this is if you know like this is God ordained that you yeah. have this you know particular bad thing happen to you or something
0: I think that the both the Tao Te Jing and the Shuangzu both I think do not say that there's some great heavenly purpose to this particular suffering or loss mm-hmm. in fact, it's rejected that there's that there's some kind of ordained aspect to this. Rather it's like the rain. It's like in the Christian tradition and the Jewish tradition, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Good things happen to good and bad people. Bad things happen to good and bad people, fortune, misfortune, all this. The key isn't to say that this bad thing is happening and there's going to be this good outcome or aren't you going to, you know, whatever doesn't kill you, make you stronger. The key is to start to become detached a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the, the key is to, uh, and this is something that's been true in our lives through grief and suffering I don't think that like life is easier and like I've got superpowers and, and you know, yeah. like I feel weakened sometimes, you know, but there is a lesson there is a there is a teaching when you face loss Mm-hmm. That's really important for us to figure out. Yeah. You especially know, before too, we put too much weight in there.
1: And I would say, especially, um, you know, there's just, it's, it's so easy to take so many things for granted. Yeah. Until all of a sudden things change and you don't have it. Or um, like even, even just how quickly with your health, right? Like yeah. what you feel like on a day and like just waking up and feeling miserable. Right. Yeah. Um, the fact that, <laughs> a few weeks ago I hurt my leg and I couldn't walk on my left leg for a little bit um mm-hmm. which has kind of gotten in the way of <laughs> a lot of things but um but like that was just overnight like one you know one evening bam and mm-hmm. now I struggle with walking on my leg and
0: yeah, it's been a while um
1: and, it, and it's crazy how quickly something can change uh, yeah. and I think that um there is there is a sense of like attitude and perspective sometimes that also matters for instance if like I think that my leg is is doing a lot better and getting better quickly because I've been taking care of it I've Mm -hmm. been doing I've been doing my little exercises that I've been told to do to strengthen my muscles uh and if I hadn't embraced some of those things I wouldn't be walking around as well as what I am right now right and so I had to make a decision to do those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to help promote my healing. Uh, and I also, I mean, it was quite interesting how much the community where I work at right now has come around and surrounded me with things that are helping to heal it, you know? Yeah, that is cool. Um, and, and just sort of seeing, you know, kind of all of my coworkers doing what they do best, you know, chiropractic acupuncture and massage and right. literally offering those services to me um, in ways that have really helped promote it is kind of cool, yeah. 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 And so they they were far more knowledgeable about ligaments and issues <laughs> and injuries of the body than m- my doctor seemed to be when I went <laughs> the first time. You know, I think a general practitioner there's a lot of basic knowledge that they have, and and so the kind of the detail that you need to know when you get into the specifics of ligaments and muscles and things like that when it comes to certain body parts um at least it just seemed like it was a little beyond the scope of what my doctor was able to be helpful with um, yeah. and my co-workers have stepped up and and really helped so just things like that where you know yeah so that i'm mean, not, you know it's easy to kind of say some of these like silver lining kind of things but but it is true that I have learned some things from this. I have realized how much I've taken for granted just being able to go out and go on a hike, mm-hmm. you know? Um,
0: and as soon as you're back on the mend, I'm not going to, Squander another Sunday when we could have been hiking.
1: I know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, yeah, and and how much you know with Bindi loving her hikes and stuff. Our yes, dog, yes, she you probably know, would so. be a
0: little nicer when we're recording if, <laughs> if, if we could have <laughs> if got out and hiked farther. I mean, <laughs> if we had
1: done, yeah. If you weren't
0: if you weren't uh, hurting on the knee, I would have walked yeah. her from farther and more. So,
1: but I would. Yeah. So I I do think that there is so there's those pieces of what when we're dealt a situation, what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. And how we handle it, I think makes makes a huge difference. If you're born a certain way, what is your perspective on it, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and do you do you use things as crutches or do you use them as um, opportunities to go beyond it? You know, uh, one of the things I think seems like uh, you know, there's a lot of you know, comedians that'll make jokes and stuff about you know, rich white kids or whatever, mm-hmm. where their parents can just pay their rent. And stuff mm-hmm. um, but there is something about when you know you have only had you, you don't have the luxury of relying on other people mm-hmm. to help like make help make ends meet, right? like yeah. if you are on your own like there's there's so much you learn about taking care of yourself that you don't just you know it's easy sometimes to um, and I don't want to say lazy, but it is easy to sometimes rest on. These other safety nets that you have, that if you have them, yeah, right, that might hinder you becoming even a stronger person. Yeah, uh, w- you know what, what, whatever that is. I know sometimes you can get stuck in jobs. You know
0: <laughs> that.
1: Yeah you know, that maybe you could have,
0: it's comfortable.
1: You're right. And you could have maybe, you know, stepped out a little further and maybe in certain life circumstances you would have had to have, and then found yourself in a better position or, or maybe, I don't know, like there's, there's a lot of, I don't know, sorry. I don't know where I'm going with this exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I will say that there is a strength that people develop when they're forced to confront certain situations or life situations. And yeah. there is something about that, that, um, I would say often builds character.
0: Duh. T E or D E mm-hmm. the virtue or power that flows from surfing the Dow. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and the, the difficulty, I think we've we've spent enough time talking about the difficulty of saying to somebody with a disability, if we think about it in this now let's shift over to the physically deformed human beings that are discussed in the Shuangzu. Um again, saying as an individual, this is what I'm Discovering about myself and reality and, and overcoming is different from somebody telling oh, you, yeah. you know, that you're not struggling, right? It's right. it's very it's very hard, right? If somebody's lacking something, on the one hand, I could say, "Hey, you're handicapped. You're missing something." You're like, "No, no, no, that's bad. You don't call me that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm capable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That was a, that was like an older conversation about language. But the reason I think that's interesting is, yeah, we'll call people. How people feel most valued Right mm-hmm. But there is something interesting about I think the idea Of of The language of disability
1: mm-hmm.
0: That sounds Bad, right Like we, we get uncomfortable with the word Handicapped or disabled Because we think that We value things that are the most able mm-hmm. um, And people that are the most able Right So it's it's kind of like in ursula le guin's um science fiction um uh, th- there's this there's this concept on this one planet of anares um where um she's got this this uh concept that in the anarchist civilization there's no bad words uh they because they don't believe in god they don't believe in like a personal god so you can't like blaspheme so you can't say gee damn it or you know what And uh, see how respectful I am? And and there's no... And because sex is consensual, there's no... And it's not violent, then there's no bad words for sex. Sex is not vulgar or disgusting. Mm -hmm. So, like, once you get rid of the fear of a God owning you, and you get rid of the idea of hierarchy and sexual relationships, then it's very hard to come up with bad words, you know? So my point being the, the F word means violent. It's an, it means to rap or to knock. So it's like the the problem with the F word for sex is that it's like saying banged, knocked up, screwed. There's like a violent metaphor to it. That's the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and the same thing I think then is to say, if I think that being disabled is a problem, it's a, it's, it's, it's a problem of the society in which I'm speaking. Yeah. So I, I do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I recognize, I recognize why I will be very open to using language that is, is hospitable and, and generous and what people want to hear. But it is interesting to me again, to think that the very concept of having a lack of disability in our high pressure performance capitalist world is a slur.
1: Mm.
0: You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And mm. so there's some slurs in the, in the Shuangzu, you would say like calling people these names would be really, really bad unless these guys find it hilarious
1: because yeah. they
0: don't care. Do you see what I'm saying? Right, right. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to these specific stories. Jivs.
1: Um, I do want to mention one thing, uh, I know this will this will date me, but um, what comes to mind a little bit when we're talking about this subject is uh, a Twilight Zone, you know, or maybe a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. But there was the one in particular I think was like, um, there was like the lady who thought she was super deformed, right?
0: Oh, that's, and are you talking about the one where like the pig faces? Yeah, and yeah.
1: then everybody else had these pig faces, but she did that not. That was
0: a classic. She
1: didn't have a pig face, and so like she just thought she was like. Horribly misfigured, right? And, yeah, and so it was like, what was you know, what was the norm of that society? It was right. These kind of more pig-like noses and faces. Stacy,
0: that is exactly right. That helps us transfer transfer over to the the bigger issue. So the and when I say the bigger issue in the text, I mean just the space that's given to it. So we've we've chosen to kind of think about the the twisted tree because I think that's a helpful symbol but really that is also encompassing this idea of the disabled and deformed or disfigured human beings the sages by the way this is a fascinating thing we have uh tried out this this uh, practice of putting a a sound button on the floor uh there are th- several sound buttons so that our dog can talk to us and i thought it would take me a long time unfortunately stacy it, <laughs> it was too successful she has a button that says foodie she has a button that says outside and then one that says belly. And she yells at us now. <laughs> she was just going, she would bang on on it. And she's like, do not podcast right now. I I want to, come here, baby. I love you. She wants to push the foodie. <laughs> <laughs> just,
1: it was funny. It was a Friday night. Anyway, so she's just pounding on the outside button like outside, yeah, outside outside and that doesn't mean that she just wants to be outside in our garden that means she, if she wants to go to a restaurant the mm-hmm. patio mm-hmm. she wants to go out she wants on to go to town. a diet bar down the road yes that's exactly
0: <laughs> what she all right so can we switch uh, shift over into the deformed sages we will i'm uh, gonna add
1: one little tiny comment oh, about that, the tree that was something that i thought was i don't know an interesting um message it doesn't fully apply but still kind of fun to think about uh when i do imagine this big uh twisted tree that is providing this shade and coverage mm-hmm. and that I am on a, maybe a hot day mm-hmm. laying on the cool grass, um, looking up through the branches and leaves of the tree, mm-hmm. uh, and the sort of the little bits of sky that you can see in between the leaves and the mm-hmm. branches. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a meditation like sleep thing that I was listening to to help me sleep one of these nights. Mm-hmm. And they talked about, um, the space between the branches and the trees Ooh. as being, um, you know, like where, like with the focus, like what you can see in those through that, mm. that space.
0: But mm. I, I
1: mean, if it's just complete open sky, that's big and vast, but mm. there's something about looking through the little, cra- the you know, cracks. like the cracks, like the little pieces where maybe light comes through yes. in the trees and the branches yes. and, 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 a tree big enough to have coverage will also be big enough to have those, those spaces. Um, and that—that—that
0: that. That is the fun thing about trees. If you've ever been on a nice early summer uh, evening or whatever, even in the middle of the day, where you get you get just a, a little bit of magical light yeah. dropping through. Yeah. it's not it's not darkness. It's right. not blazing sun. It's, it's shade. Yeah, that's really good. Anyway. That's really good. So yeah, so there you go. You got something valuable, something that was despised. I mean, look, this also comes up in the Christian tradition. Jesus is considered the cornerstone that the builders rejected.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's like, wait a minute. You don't want me. You don't want the suffering servant. You don't want somebody who's concerned for the poor, who's not going to overthrow Rome, but is going to face it and die. You, people don't like that. that's the despised and the early followers of Jesus were part of that, you know, um, our, hopefully we'll check in with our friend Casey soon, but, uh, uh, Casey sent me an interesting article about the, this really, we'll, we'll come back to this, but there's this idea that in the first couple centuries of the church, the liturgy for the Jesus movement included men and women, uh, because of the, the kind of, symbolic rejection of hierarchy Mm. and then uh, this seems to have been suppressed and then by the time you get to the year 400 now you've got a very manly jesus with a Mm -hmm. beard before this you had like a jesus that almost kind of looks like effeminate uh kind of more like avalokiteshvara the kind of uh, androgynous Uh, deity, uh, but certainly youthful, no beard. And then he gets this beard and then, you know, Christianity becomes associated with the state. But, you know, the, the thing that was attractive early on was this idea of this, this religion where the embodiment of God was, was the lowest of the low. Somebody who is, um, you know, kind of hung on a tree, Mm -hmm. right? This is not glory, it's no. the opposite of glory right. it's humiliation and so kind of recognizing the power of the sage who is broken and and wounded that's that's the whole point of Jesus yeah and uh so here let's like kind of shift over if you shift over to the chinese tradition <clears throat> there is uh is, is you know there is this tradition in ancient china and and really still with us in modern China, where um, sometimes people will feel a certain kind of cursedness. Families will feel a, a, like a curse if there is deformity in their children. This isn't unique to Chinese right. culture. Um, but this was something that uh, the Shuangzu the actually confronts. And I think it's like one of the coolest things. Like if you're listening and you uh, are yourself uh, somebody who has a disability, or you work with people with disabilities, um, it's a really interesting kind of cultural philosophical text, uh, specifically chapter five, um, because what what it's doing is it's challenging the very fundamental assumption that a whole and healthy body is the name of the game. We see this in Christianity too, in, in America, where you've got people that say, "Hey, you know, if you if you're a, if you're spiritually fit, you'll be physically fit." You know, Mm. so, you know, that, that kind of thing Mm. that that's cropped up in a lot of evangelical circles. Gotcha. But, um, but anyway, the idea, this idea is, uh, that while everybody's trying to be, uh, whole, there's something about the brokenness that is, um, maybe helpful for being a sage.
1: Yeah, well, and, and Leonard Cohen, when he was talking about the, it's the. The cracks.
0: Yeah, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And
1: that's how the light gets in.
0: Yeah. So let me just go through, let me just go survey a few of these from chapter five. It's kind of interesting. So the first is Wang Tai from Lu. So a dude named Wang Tai, he was missing a foot, but he had a following. He was a, he was a sage that had a following that would rival that of Confucius. Now, one thing you got to understand is the Taoists love to poke fun at the Confucians. Think of the Taoists as the fun hippies and the Confucians as the very sweet... Conservatives, Uptight a little bit. A little uptight, but, but they're more like, they're more like, um, you know, your, your old school Republican grandpa. Okay. This is, I, I need to go, go with this politically. There's a certain kind of conservative in the old days that cared about lawfulness and dignity and decorum. Mm-hmm. And even though you've got purple hair and a nose ring, we'll help you fix your tire. Yeah. That, that's, I, I, if you're young, you don't know these particular conservatives. They're wonderful, you know, like I can think of like some some farmer dudes that I know. They're like they're just willing to be supportive of charitable causes, and they're they're just good people, and they want everybody else to be good. They don't understand what's going on in the city. I'm not trying to make justifications for where they have blind spots. What I'm saying is the Confucians were like that. The Confucians were like the 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 good conservatives, and the and the and and, and the and the and the the Taoists were kind of anarchists that were saying no, I'm not gonna I'm gonna opt out of this way of being, you know. But the Confucians weren't bad people. They're no, like, right. They're, I think
1: that they with the Confucianists they were into like discipline and more structure,
0: propriety, like the ritual. So like they care. It this is where you put the fork on the mm-hmm. dinner table. Mm-hmm. You know this is this. Uh, so anyway, but. That so that you don't want to read too much into this. It wasn't like the, the Confucians were evil, and we seem to have this also as a problem in the New Testament, where people think that the the Pharisees were all wicked. Mm. The Pharisees play a similar role to the Confucians. Gotcha. The Jesus movement is similar to, but is antagonistic. You know, there's this, there's this tough relationship with the Pharisees. Same thing with the Confucians. They're close, Mm -hmm. but they have very different takes on the similar kind of question about the Tao, right? So learning about this guy, Wang Tai, one of Confucius's students asks this, quote, how can one who does not lecture and does spend a great deal of time discussing things with his students, take those who come to him with nothing and finally dismiss them with some profound understanding? Is it possible to teach without words to instruct without doing what kind of teacher can do this? So there's all these people showing up to this dude with a missing foot and he doesn't do a lot of talking. Mm. He just is, he's just being, Mm -hmm. you know, um, he's providing a space for people to notice, to be aware. I, I mean, you know, we don't know exactly, but I could imagine it probably has a little bit to do with being present, Yeah, you know, like that's, of the game, you 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 think you're going in there to get some highfalutin philosophy? And no. Well, and
1: yeah, and we put so much emphasis on words and actions, and rather than being in in general in our Western society, right? So, mm-hmm. Anyway, so it sounds like he really understood what it was to
0: be. be. <laughs> yeah, he, he well, and this is what you've noticed as a death tula, and you've you've told me this. I think is the thing that is where your work there has a lot of overlap with the Tao Te Ching and that is the key to peace is saying yes to reality. Yeah. Admitting reality, facing reality. That's Whatever the key. That is. And yeah. I think that's what's going on here. It's like, all right, so this is I'm missing a foot.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> like stop freaking out about it, right? Like that's that's part well, of the game. and
1: then the other piece of it too is if you're just constantly dwelling on the fact that you're missing a foot, then yeah, then huh. that's what that's what your life will be about. It'll be, will be about that. not having a foot mm-hmm. rather than whatever else it is that you really want to do or be with for your life. Right. Like,
0: yeah. So then Confucius says, um, and he, and he's praising this guy, Wang Tai. He says to, to us, life and death are the utmost importance, but to him, they are nothing. Heaven and earth may be destroyed and he would hardly notice. He dwells with what is not susceptible to change. He lives with what is authentic he knows that all is change and that this is the way of the 10,000 things. He abides with what is constant and unchanging. So he's mm-hmm. dealing with, this is that very important concept in, in Taoist philosophy of constancy. What's the thing that's, that's consistent mm-hmm. in the flows. There's life and death, birth and death, renewal and death. And you know, if we go back and forth. What's the constancy and you find the constancy. So in many ways, the value if we want to call it that of having this disability of missing the foot is that it helps keep your mind focused on the things that are ongoing, indelible, you know, like these, these permanent things, constant things, Um, true power, um, presence in the infinite oneness, Mm -hmm. you know? So like if you, if you have really nice toys that divert you, you will also perhaps be diverted from the great joys of discovering freedom in this life from those toys. Yeah. This is the hard game. Now, um, there's a really cool article about this idea of, of the deformed sages in uh, a, a work by Jesse Chapman. It is an, it's an essay, uh, an article. It's called quote, uh, unwholesome bodies reading the sign of the amputated foot in early China this is in a journal called Asia Minor 2017 volume 30 and uh, let me just read the abstract because I think it's so good and I'm just going to read the abstract early Chinese philosophical historiographic and divinatory texts point to a common anxiety regarding the maintenance of the wholeness of the body Mutilating punishments served as indices that signified the crimes and criminal status of those affected. So you see this idea: they're going to mess with your body because they said you are not virtuous, you are not a whole person, and we're going to demonstrate in your physical existence you're lacking. Uh, They effectively destroyed their character uh, by destroying their duh, you know, their power or their charisma. So by taking away that wholeness, they thought, uh, this is, this is a common anxiety. They thought that they, they had really winged somebody for, you know, yet texts from a variety of genres and philosophical positions subverted the conventional signification of the amputation of the foot. Narrative accounts about Sun Bin, Yu Quan, and Bian He invert the signification of mutilation Presenting exemplary figures whose amputated feet become indications of talent, loyalty, or self-sacrifice. Three stories of amputees from the Shuangzu go further in undermining this conventional signification, while the rare wholeness of chari- while the rare wholeness of character of such exemplary figures in the Chong Fu chapter is put into sharp relief against the unwhole state of their disfigured bodies, their mutilations as signs are themselves defaced and unreadable. It shows that mutilation means little or nothing to those who understand people. Those who read unwhole bodies in the conventional manner prove to be poor judges of character. So this is that idea that really, like if you want to think of it in, in a very simple way, it's saying, don't judge a book by its cover. And if you find somebody who claims to be a sage that judges books by their covers, Mm -hmm. then that's not a sage. So there's another story about this guy, footless Shen. Okay. Um, footless Shen and the minister of Sushan.
1: They love their, um, lacking the feet.
0: Well, this is the, this is the thing because often they would, they would have this, their foot cut off, um, as a punishment for some crime.
1: Mm. Like you were saying with the last story, it's a judgment. of
0: Yes. So, so punishment. So uh, let me talk first about, there's a couple of stories, but Shushan of Lu or Tolus had the criminal amputation. And he's a guy who hobbles over to see Confucius.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now Confucius, of course, the great sage he confronts him about his amputation. He says, hey, dude, you obviously have a past. What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of not being super welcoming to this guy who he thinks must be a be low criminal. life criminal. And then Tolus realizes at this moment that Confucius lacks wisdom. Confucius then realizes his mistake and says, oh, no, Tolus, come on in. I'm sorry. But Tolus turns away and walks away. Yeah. And he wasn't walking away. Because he was sad or offended. He walks away because he realized, oh, this guy judges a book by its cover. He doesn't understand what's going on.
1: He doesn't have anything to teach me.
0: And he doesn't have anything to teach me.
1: Yeah.
0: My my loss is what is going to teach me. You know? So let's go back to a different guy. There's footless Shen and the minister Shushan. They're both disciples of this Pohun. So Shushan wants to walk ahead of Shen because Shen's got the footless status. So instead of them walking side by side in some procession, they're both disciples of Pohun, but when they're walking, mm. he wants to have, Sushan uh, oh. wants to have the, the higher status. The
1: leg up, if you will. <laughs>
0: yeah. So this <laughs> don't, is... Don't <laughs> this, <intended. laughs> so then footless Shen says, as for me, I am aware that I have only one foot and that many men make jokes about it. I get furious, and then when I am around our master, I am cleansed. Is this because I am around him, or because I have learned how to calm myself? I have been a disciple for 19 years, and the master has never indicated that he knows I do not have two feet. The two of us, we are supposed to be beyond the pettiness of this world, and yet you believe that you must go ahead while I remain behind. How can this be? So you have this idea that valuing all bodies is a sign of spiritual health mm-hmm. and wisdom. And when we find ourselves in communities that disregard people that have, um, physical disabilities or are not conventionally seen as beautiful, that's a sign that we're in the wrong place. Yeah, That's not a healthy place to be in.
1: And, um, I would say, and people do this all the time, but when they pity Other people,
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, that comes
1: across very much like judgment. Like it just, I mean, you're basic. I mean, it is judgment if you're if you have pity on something because you you know obviously you're in a position that is higher or better off than this other person, right? And that somehow there's something you know wrong or to be pitied about their situation when they are an equal human being that is living this life and this existence perhaps had more challenges to overcome. But pity is only comes from a place of somebody thinking that they're better than.
0: And it's and it's part of a world of hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is And I would say that's
1: also is also where um you know watching the language of saying I'm gonna help these people. Right. You know, Uh, we could be there for each other, but I'm going to go help right. him. It's it's something about like I'm more able, and I'm going to go. You know, I don't know. Right? You know, you can, you can come alongside. You can be there for. You can support. You can do things for. Right. But the the idea of help or charity as being that uh, is different than sharing resources or. You know,
0: yeah, it's like the F- footless Shen does not say that Pohun helped him by being really, you know, sad about his foot, he kind of just treated him like a person, ignoring it. Now, this is tricky too because he's not saying he was ignoring it like he was pretending, he just he, he was not an issue, it wasn't an issue, yeah. And I think that's especially for this guy, this that was really helpful. There's a discussion also regarding this guy Ai Taito, an ugly and deformed man. And around this uh, story of this guy, the Shuangzu says, quote, Should these movements of the primal forces in the universe over which you have no control unnerve you or cause you to lose your composure or to jumble your mind? But Should you not be able to accept them, even to take pleasure in them, to find joy in these movements without interruption and allow yourself to be part of these great transformations and in this manner understand that the spirit is indeed intact. Um, That line was important for me to read because it's talking about the idea that your spirit will be perfected and in whole if you recognize the, the... unimportance of these other things. I think the importance here is not that it's good for us to be kind yet. Yeah, we should be kind mm-hmm. and, and we, we should care about people who have setbacks and losses and amputations and all this. Yes, yes, yes. The point though, is that we need to recognize in ourselves whenever we see this hierarchical thinking. So when I think I need to be in front of somebody who's hobbling the problem is I am spiritually injured. Like there's something missing in my soul mm-hmm. when I think this way. When you when you find authoritarians in America making fun of weak people mm. or disabled people. The problem isn't that it's politically incorrect. The problem is that it shows their great lack of virtue and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for all of us, the reason this matters again, is not to be, to be fitting what, you know, some kind of woke culture prescribes. Although we love wokeness, if it means (laughs) enlightenment, right. And, and not treating people like crap. But you see what I'm saying? Like, it's like, when you see somebody who loves hierarchy, Mm. you know, that there's other problems. When you see somebody who loves, if they're, if they're, boldly and proudly racist. It's not just that there's that one problem with them, that they're missing something about existence. Yeah. They're fundamentally off kilter. And there's, there's a way in which the way we treat those who are disabled or the way we think about those who are disabled is a helpful measure of our, of our spiritual health. Mm-hmm. And then in, in a community or society or a country, the same is true. Your spiritual health is going to be um, affected. One last guy was kind of interesting. This guy's name was Crippled, Hunchbacked, Lipless. He's got three mm. Crippled, Hunchbacked, lip, Lipless. But he won over the Duke of Ling. The Duke of Ling was so impressed that it made him think that other people were too tall, fidgety, and uh, big-lipped. Mm. But, you know, uh, and that's kind of tongue-in-cheek, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. it's it's this idea that you start to see the beauty in the person And when somebody cultivates their virtue, the the moral of the story is um, you actually can overcome the disability. So at a practical level, we can say, oh, I understand that I have value. I understand that all beings have dignity and inherent intrinsic value. But there's also a way in which what the Shuangzu is saying is when we recognize the value of the disabled person. And we recognize the value of the twisted tree. We also can start to generate more power in our own lives. This is part of the tradition. So uh, last quote, page 82 of my edition, hence when virtue reigns, the body will be ignored. When virtue reigns, the body will be ignored. And when people neglect what it is possible to neglect and neglect what it is unforgivable to neglect, they will truly have neglected that which is vital and essential and requisite. When going back to this, when virtue reigns in the body, the body will be ignored. So you're trying to help yourself and others get focused on the stuff that matters. And we can actually see this. I guess the point is there are people in our world, even, even in broad, Godless society, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, that there are people that can through their own inner power overcome and, uh, and actually become lauded in, in society. But I think that, you know, that's relatively rare, but I think the point is, that's what we should, that, that that's the advice I think Shuangzi gives for us wherever yeah. we're at. It's, it's interesting.
1: I'm not sure how I feel about saying that the body would be ignored. Um, I mean, maybe like the, in, the the, in, the, in the physical appearance of the body. Yeah, that's an important, yeah, I see what you're but saying, right? I still think it's important. I think our bodies are a vessel that get mm. us around in this world and to care for that vessel yeah. matters. I mean, you're, to be completely ignorant of what that vessel oh, is, yeah. um, is also could be, you know, a sign yeah. of other issues as well, right? And so I would say though, um, I, using that as, a litmus test though, yeah. uh, you know, or, or, or a piece of judgment or, you know, like a, a value to somebody based on what their physical characteristics are yeah. or that kind of thing. Like that's, I'm, I might, I agree with it on that level of ignoring the body. Yeah.
0: But it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, the paradox of both Buddhism and Taoism is, is that there is this eternal something beyond, or there's the void. I mean, you could call it whatever you want. There's the Tao, there's the void. There's something beyond this physical manifestation, this ripple that we're in. So we both cherish it. We value it, embodiment. And we also recognize that it's impermanent. Yeah. That's, I think, what what it's saying. Like like there is some treasure that's deeper and more lasting than the physical body, which isn't going to last. No. And so all of these attempts to have youth and perpetual life and all of this this. and Yeah. You're actually, you're barking up the wrong twisted tree, friends. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I I will also say kind of similar, you know, with my death doula training, as i talked about, um, like when you're working with somebody that it's not helpful to try to fix them. Yeah. Uh, You might see things in their life that they're doing. You might see things in their life that they're doing that, um, you know, that you could say, oh, I would do it differently and you should, you know, do this and this and this. I mean, a lot of times it's, then, you know, a lot of people don't want advice. They can go to a professional, like a doctor, if they need to know how to care for themselves or whatever. But from like, when you were there, when we're trying to be there for people fixing them, I know sounds sometimes like it's something that is, feels, you know, like kind of a natural response when you see somebody suffering and how, what can I do to help fix? But it, it, unfortunately it um it's the wrong the wrong way to help somebody find health <laughs> and i think it's easy to fall into you know that the idea of i want to help so i want to fix that kind of thing but i i, I think it, it is, <laughs> barking up the wrong tree <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, anyway wherever you are friends uh wherever you find yourself uh we wish you deep peace upon peace Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends.
0: But he said that wasn't any letter. He said that was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind.
1: Why? Why? That's
0: because you found this letter no too much.